Welcome to Crosswords, the podcast about practical Christianity. What does it look like to walk in Jesus' footsteps? How do I live in a culture hostile to godliness? These are questions that we'll answer on each podcast as we get our heart and mind on Jesus. All scriptures quoted are from the New International Version. You can follow me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing. Good afternoon, family. Good afternoon, visitors, friends. We are thankful that you have dialed into our program this afternoon for encouragement and to gather together to remember the Lord's Supper, to remember the Lord's sacrifice. I want you to relax, chill out, uh, take out your Bible. And today we're going to get into a Bible study focused on Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11. That's going to be the main text that we're going to get into today. You can find the parallel accounts to this event in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, also in Mark chapter 1, verse 16 through 20. Luke has the more detailed account, which is why I chose it for our Bible study this afternoon. So where are we in the timeline uh, of the New Testament ministry of Jesus? Well, Jesus had just completed his Judean ministry. The Gospel of John gives us details about that. And he was now ready to start his Galilean ministry. So he is setting his camp in Capernaum, as we can read in Luke chapter 4. And specifically, the location was the Sea of Galilee. Jesus was looking for full-time disciples. Hence, Luke 5, Matthew 4, Mark 1. So let's start by reading Luke chapter 5, verse 1. So I'm going to read each verse or a couple of verses and then extrapolate and unpack what the verses are telling us for our lesson today. I'm reading from God's Word translation. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, Jesus was standing by the Sea of Galilee, and the people crowded around him as they listened to God's word. So we can see from this setting, the beginning here, that people seem to be very receptive to Jesus' message in this area. Everybody was just crowding around Jesus, wanting to listen what he had to say. Picture such a nice, serene setting by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the sea was, was a pretty big sea. That's why it's called the Sea of Galilee. Uh, to us, it might be a big pond, but to them, it was a big sea. Verse 2 says, Jesus saw two boats on the shore. The fishermen had stepped out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus got into the boat that belonged to Simon and asked him to push off a little from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. This is one of the few instances that Jesus is actually sitting down to teach. He did that in a few other occasions, but you can see this is a, a relaxed setting. The people are sitting down or standing up. Jesus is sitting down using uh, Simon's boat, kind of like a pulpit. Uh, he, he must have had a strong voice to address a crowd some feet from the shore. Think about that. Yeah, it was an interesting setup, and it must have been a huge crowd in order for him to do it this way. The people were looking at him, you know, they were facing the sea, looking at Jesus preaching from the sea, so they probably had no other distractions at that point. We continue with verse 4. 
When he finished speaking, he told Simon, take the boat into deep water and lower your nets to catch some fish. So here the message of Jesus had come to an end. Jesus knew when people had their fill. Now he wants to do something for Peter. He knew that Peter and his companions didn't have a good time or a good night fishing. So he wants to do something for Peter, but Jesus' request is rather unusual. We're going to see Peter's answer in verse 5, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But it is an unusual request because, first of all, fishing tends to occur at night or during the wee hours of the morning when the sun hasn't come out yet. It was unusual to see fishermen doing their work during the day. As a matter of fact, we can see from the setting of this text that at the time when Jesus is preaching to them, the fishermen had already come in from the sea and they were washing their nets. So they were probably done with their work and now they were going to process the fish. I remember when I used to go fishing with my dad and my brothers in a little island of Culebra, of the northwest coast of Puerto Rico, sorry, northeast coast. And when we used to go fishing, we left at four in the morning. Sometimes we left at three in the morning to go fishing. And when the sun started to come up at around six, that's when we were coming back from fishing with all our fish. And there are many different kinds of fishing. These fishermen in the Sea of Galilee fished with nets. I never used nets when I fished. We used to fish with reels, rods, and harpoons. So he's asking. Simon to go out again and, and fish, and he's asking him to go into deep water. Now, that's not when you use nets. You use nets to fish in uh, shallow water. So Jesus' request seems to be unusual, which is why we read in verse 5, Peter answering, teacher, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll lower the nets. Peter is an experienced fisherman. Uh, he's like, okay, Jesus, this is an unusual request. Uh, it sounds like you don't have experience fishing. Maybe you're a carpenter. Maybe you don't know about fishing. <laughs> you don't fish during the day. You don't use your nets in deep water. Peter was also a little tired, but this is a test of humility for Peter. You know, sometimes we might feel a little resentment, right, when someone is trying to tell us how to do our jobs. But Peter is calling Jesus teacher, which in the Greek really is master. So masters are to be trusted, especially when their words seem to contradict our opinion or experience. Even though Peter had already fished and thought it unusual or perhaps even pointless to try again, he listens to Jesus. He actually acquiesces. Sometimes when you think you may have done something and you think it's to no avail to do it again. Listen to what others are telling you. Perhaps it is the Lord telling you to do this because you trust his word and not your own doing. In times like these, God is testing our humility. He's testing our obedience. He's asking Peter to go out to fish again. And he's asking Peter to go to a different area, to go into deep water. In order to find a good catch, sometimes we need to go deeper than what we've been willing to do before. Some of us have fished around shallow water, and we might think, well, the fish, you know, there's no more fish. The fish dried up. You know, there's nothing else to, to, to get. But Jesus is asking us, hey, go into the deeper water. 
Have you tried the deeper water? Remember what I've said before, you know, if you do the same thing over and over, expecting different results, that's called insanity. So Jesus is trying to get Peter out of this rut. He's saying, okay, let's do something different, Peter. And Peter answers, if you say so, I'll lower the nets. What a great attitude. He's really showing himself to be disciple material for Jesus because he's willing to trust Jesus and not trust his own instincts or his own experience. And when we do that, there is a blessing ahead, a big blessing ahead. Notice here in verse 6, after the men had done this, they catch such a large number of fish that their nets began to tear. God's blessing always comes in abundance, more than enough for you and for everyone else around you. You just sometimes need to be willing to go deep. You need to be willing to go to a different area of the sea. You need to be willing to go out of your comfort zone, out of the times that maybe you're used to going. You need to be willing to do something different than what you were doing before. Hey, maybe what you've been doing before worked for you, but God is calling you to a higher purpose, to a higher calling, which requires a change of viewpoint, which requires us to trust God, not one that leans on expected results, but on the Lord. Remember Peter here. Peter was expecting a certain result. He was like, well, if I go out fishing during the day, and if I put my nets in shallow water, hey, that's what we did all night, and nothing was found. So there's nothing to get here. But Jesus is saying, well, Peter, I've got something else for you, but you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to have different expectations. Don't rely unexpected results. We're relying on ourselves when we rely on expected results. We're relying on past experience. A disciple relies on God's results. And so we need to trust God and expect God to bless us. We want to expect on the Lord, or, or sorry, depend on the Lord instead of our own experience. And we need to be willing sometimes for equipment even to be torn up in the process, like it happened to Peter. And the men here, they had such a large catch that their nets began to tear. But that's a good thing, because we're looking at the fish here, not the equipment. The equipment can be replaced, not the fish. Moving on to the next verse, verse 7. They signaled their partners, probably James and John, uh, the sons of Zebedee, in another boat next to them. They signaled to them in the other boat to come and help them. And their partners came and filled both boats until the boats nearly sank. So think about this. Not only did Peter's catch with his nets catch enough fish to fill his boat to the brim, but another boat, that's on one set of nets, two boats nearly sinking with the amount of blessing, with the amount of catch, God blessed them. In this verse, we can appreciate how partnership is vital to receive the abundant blessing of God. Most of the times, we need to call others to help us in this endeavor. And those who share in the work will also share in the harvest. This reminds me of the congregations we called on to help us 
with the Sandy aftermath quite a few years ago. Our brother Walter Maxwell was the one who first received the call uh, for his congregation to help those in need after this great storm descended upon us. So the first thing that I thought is, well, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> we have no experience. We have no equipment. But I quickly called my brother, Steve. I called some other brothers. And you know what? We just trusted the Lord. We had not done this before. We didn't know what we were going to do. But we knew that if God was calling us, we needed to rely on him. We were greatly blessed with an awesome spiritual harvest. Those who didn't answer the call did not share in the harvest. <laughs> the blessings were so many. So many people got involved in the help and in the distribution and in the administration of everything that happened. And this verse in Luke chapter 5, verse 7, just sums it up perfectly. When we call on others to help in the great harvest that God has for us, he, there's going to be enough for everyone. There's going to be enough to go around for everyone in the midst of God's overwhelming blessing. We might feel that we're not prepared or as if our resources are not enough. We may feel like our boats are sinking. Oh, there's too much here. <laughs> our boats are sinking. But this, this has to do with trusting that God is going to carry us through. During Sandy, sometimes we felt like, like we weren't equipped to handle the demand and the blessing. We don't have enough people to send out to have Bible studies with all these people who are open. We don't have enough people to send out to preach in the streets. But you know what? God answered that. God provided. We trusted the Lord. And he equipped us all the way around through teamwork. We were each doing our part and everything got done. And people recognized that it was the Lord's doing, that it was not our doing but it was the Lord. This is how the Lord works. Brothers and sisters, are we ready? I know Sandy happened some time ago, but I know God is preparing us now. He's going to give us a building. He's going to give us some land, and we're, and we're going to need some workers to go out there. We're going to need to go out there as a team because there is a great catch of fish out there. We got to go into deep waters. We got to go fish during different times in different places. We have to be ready for these floodgates of heaven to open up, as Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, because when God blesses, it is obvious, it is evident. Let's look at Peter's reaction when he saw this, when he saw this great catch of fish because he trusted God. He knelt in front of Jesus and said, leave me, Lord. I'm a sinful person. Interesting reaction, right? Simon became convicted. He realized at that point that he wasn't dealing with a regular person. It really hit him at the core. He was not worthy of this calling. Who was he kidding? Who was he kidding going out with Jesus, with the master, and doing that kind of a work? But this test and blessing, you know, it hit him at the core. He, he had heard Jesus say things before. This was not the first time. He's talking with Jesus and doing things with Jesus. But he realized that this was something aimed directly at him, since Jesus was the one who called him to go out into the deeper water. 
And so we see Simon self-assessing here. It takes self-awareness to recognize deity, to recognize when God wants to involve you in his work, when God wants to grace you with something you might not deserve, when God wants to bless you with things you cannot even imagine. It takes self-awareness to accept that we're not worthy for this calling. But nevertheless, God is calling. He wants to make you worthy. So who are you going to trust? Yourself or God? That's a self-awareness point here. So this contrast between us and God, that's what makes our worship sincere, that recognition. Wow, I'm not worthy to be here. Like Isaiah, when God called Isaiah, the first thing Isaiah said is, my God, I have seen the Lord. I have, I'm a man of unclean lips. Kind of like what Peter says here. I'm a sinful person. I don't belong here with, with God. You sure you want me, Lord? I'm not prepared. Some of us may react a little differently. We might think we're not prepared to do this. I'm too shy. I don't know what to say. Jesus says, hey, I'm calling you, aren't I? So if Jesus is calling you, he equips you. He prepares you. doesn't matter where you went to school or if you went to school at all. doesn't matter what you have or, or you don't have. What matters is that you recognize that you're not worthy but that you believe God wants to make you worthy. That's the beginning of repentance right there. And that's the kind of repentance, that the, that's the kind of change of mind and heart that Jesus expects when he calls us to partner with him in this kind of work. Go on, going on to the next verses, Simon and everyone who was with him was amazed to see the large number of fish they had caught. James and John, who were Zebedee's sons and Simon's partners, were also amazed. And Jesus told Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch people instead of fish. So this was a little preview of the harvest that God is concerned for. God's not concerned that we have a lot of fish or a lot of food to eat. That's easy. He is concerned for the amount of souls he wants us to catch as fishers of men. And all these people now being faced with their unworthiness before God, they realized they were in the presence of a great miracle, all one centered around Jesus. Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. He knows who he has called. He wants to work with us. He will equip us. He reassures us. He says, you know how to catch fish but I'm going to teach you how to catch men, how to catch men and women. Jesus teaches us not to be so unsure of ourselves, <laughs> not to be afraid of what God is going to have us do. These things that are going to happen around us are really designed to help us involved in the work, become aware of God's grace, but it's also going to help the other people that are going to be watching be aware of God's grace. It's not about us. This is about giving the glory to God, but we're part of it. That's what's so amazing. We're partnering with God in this awesome work. And this is what helps people receive the good news. It's for the purpose of catching men and women, catching their souls. 
Yeah, they caught a lot of fish that day, trusting God, not trusting their own expectations, right? So what are we going to do? Are we going to trust our own expectations? Are we going to rely on our experience? Or are we willing to step out there in the deep water? Are we willing to go out at a different time, in a different place, in a deeper water, to see this great catch that God wants to give us? Don't be shy now. Now, Jesus knew Peter before he called the 12. Jesus knew what kind of person Peter was, but he accepted him. He knew the kinds of things Peter had to grow in, the kinds of challenges he needed to face. And he knows your heart. And this is how he calls us to mature by following him, by trusting him. Peter, James, John, you know, all these were fishermen. They were lower middle class fishermen. They probably had their own businesses. We see that they had their own boats. They were already well established in their fishing trade. You know, they had their jobs. They knew how to do them. But now they're being called to something new. And it took tremendous faith in Christ to leave that trade for the next three years to follow Jesus. How were they going to support their family? How are they going to keep up the business? <laughs> that all took tremendous faith and trust in God. They had been called to assist Jesus in his Judean ministry. And you may ask yourselves the questions, well, how many, how many different calls did these men have? Well, in John chapter 1, there was a call there, uh, a part-time, to be a part-time disciple, perhaps. The next, the one that we're looking at now, was the call to become a full-time disciple of Jesus. And the next call in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 16, was a call to apostleship. So Jesus works with us. You know, he, he kind of slowly raises up through the ranks to see where we're at. How much are we willing to trust him? How much are we willing to leave behind? And this is a test of whether or not we're really ready to believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior and join him in this mission. We read here in verse 11, Simon and his partners brought the boats to the shore, left everything, and followed Jesus. The disciples left everything to follow Jesus. They were absolutely convinced he had all the answers they needed and that other people needed. They were fully committed to spreading his good news, despite that the fact that they might have believed they weren't ready or that they weren't worthy. But they were sure of one thing. They weren't going to be ready by continuing to do the same thing, by continuing to fish the same way. So they left behind worldly goals, worldly motivations, desires. Now that's what penitent people do. That's what people who receive the call of Jesus do. They realize they've been called to something greater. This is what happens when people come before the cross, when the cross causes them to examine themselves, when they come to this foot of the cross and realize that God wants them to become a part of something bigger than they are, when they get exposed to this gospel message, when they can see and understand that they can either refuse Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
and then continue on doing the same thing, living in an unfulfilled life, or understand their need for God. And through this cross, God shows us his kindness, also his seriousness about our condition. He is a loving God, and as any loving parent, he employs tough love on his children. He is patient and graceful, but he expects us to respond to his kindness like any loving parent would do. And that's what the gospel message shows us, that Jesus was willing to lay down his life. And why was he willing to do that? Because he thinks we are very valuable and he doesn't want us to get lost in the worldly passions and the worldly confusions and that broad path that leads to destructions. That's what happens when you follow your expectations, when you're not willing to trade your expectations for God's expectations. That's what's going to follow. That's what's going to happen. And so God is being very honest here by saying, look, I gave up my son so that you can now have the power to choose a different path. One that's not going to come from your opinions or your expectations, but one that needs to rely solely on your trust in Jesus' lordship of your life. And the response to this message is a response of surrender. It's like Peter's response, right? We realize I'm a sinful person, but God wants me to join him. You know, we need to realize that, yeah, where we stand right now. And if I want to join the mission, I need to surrender my life, surrender my worldly goals, my worldly opinions, my personal opinions, my personal aspirations, because now I'm exchanging them for the mission God has for me, a mission that's going to come with a great many astounding blessings in this life and in the next life, eternity. So that's what God promises, a newness of life. Uh, it's not a, a pain-free life. Certainly not going to be a trouble-free life, but it surely is going to be a blessed one. <laughs> and it's surely going to be a challenging one, but in a great and awesome way. And so our first step in joining him is by being immersed in water to let Jesus' blood cleanse us, to let his Holy Spirit equip us for this ministry. You may feel unworthy and inadequate, but remember, Jesus already knows you. And he wants to use you. And he takes delight in children who want to obey him. So to sum it up, the call to follow Jesus, as we see in this passage here, involves these seven points, these seven things. The call to follow him involves going into deep waters, a willingness to go where no man has gone before, <laughs> or perhaps where you never have gone before, or where you don't want to go. <laughs> yes, it involves a call to step out of your comfort zone and go into deep waters. Certainly, it's a call to trust Jesus. You can't trust in your opinions and in Jesus at the same time. That's not going to work. You got to leave your opinions behind. You got to leave your viewpoint behind, because whatever we see from the world is limited anyway. We can't see everything. We cannot understand everything we see, but we can certainly trust Jesus, especially if we're going to go into deep waters. It involves a call to help. We need to be willing to step out and help. 
If somebody gives us a call to help, like our brother Walter Maxwell called us, I didn't want to answer that call. I know it was going to be uncomfortable. I know it was going to get me out of my comfort zone. But you know what? It was a call from Jesus. I didn't hear Walter Maxwell on the other side of the phone. I heard Jesus. And I said, you know what? We got to do this. <laughs> this is Jesus calling. It's a call to help. And you know, calls for help don't come at a comfortable time. They never do. <laughs> it involves a call also to understand our worthiness, maybe to understand that, you know what, we are not worthy. You got to make that, you got to be clear about that. God's not calling you because you're such a great person or because you have such great talents. No, sirree, because then you would be relying on yourself. God calls you because you believe that you're not worthy for this and you need Jesus worthiness. That's when you're ready to respond to his call. And he call, and it's a call to believe at the same time that Jesus can make you worthy. That's the juxtaposition here. <laughs> we have to believe we're not worthy, but believe that Jesus wants to make us worthy of this call. Because the worthiness comes from him anyway. And that's what a disciple recognizes. That's why we leave everything behind and follow him. It's a call to accept his mission, not my mission. Hey, I wanted to be an engineer when I went to college. And when that didn't pan out for me, I had to, you know, choose something else. I didn't know what to choose at that point, really. But when God called me to do what, what I needed to do, it wasn't something I wanted to do, that's for sure. And most of the time when God calls you to do something, it's not going to be something you want to do. That's something we have to understand. And there's a purpose in that. It's because we're showing God that we're trusting him. If he was calling us to do something we would like to do, then where's the trust? <laughs> where's the trust factor there? But our readiness to leave what we wanted behind and change to follow him, that's what shows that we're trusting him and we're accepting his mission. And that requires that we leave the world behind. And this is how to be involved in a great catch. Are you ready for that great catch, church? I pray that you are. May God bless you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope the Lord gave you insight into conforming to Jesus with today's message. I always appreciate feedback. You can send me your thoughts, musings, and comments directly through the Anchor app. You can also contact me on Twitter at Kingdom underscore Saint. Walk with the Lord today and be a blessing.